We're going to the Friday panel and this morning I'm delighted to be joined by Funky Egberone and Funky came in to Ireland as an asylum seeker in 2005 and anyone in the Sligo area driving past Grattan Street will see Funky's new fabulous restaurant. Good morning Funky and thank you very much indeed for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. Okay, we're also joined by Tommy Higgins and, of course, a very popular Sligo man, chairman of Sligo Rovers. Good morning, Tommy. Morning, Claire. How are you? And uh, last but by no means least, Porrick Cawley, who is the Connacht Regional Organiser for Ogre Fianna Fáil, 19 years of age. So one of the youngest panellists we've had for a while. Thank you very much indeed. Good morning, Claire. Okay, well, look, I'm going to have to start with the riots in Dublin because we've been covering them all week. And um, I think they shocked the whole country. And may I just mention before I do, of course, they were as a result of a horrific stabbing incident. And there's still a little girl who's critical in hospital and the care worker. And every day we should remember her and... um, talking about this, I think that's probably the most important part of this topic. But Porik, were you in Dublin and how? what What? What were your thoughts? Yeah, so Claire, uh, I was actually on my way back up to Dublin that day uh, on the train. I'd booked the train to Connolly, funnily enough, and I was seeing everything coming through on my phone and I thought, you know, you know, really, like I was, I was shocked. I was, you know, what's what's going on in our capital city on the main street? Uh, I really was, I was shocked, you know, but I suppose the first thing I want to say on this matter is is to express solidarity with particularly the Gardaí mm. and the workers that were affected by it. Um, like, I was watching up front with Katie Hannan on Monday night and what really struck a chord with me was the Dublin bus driver and the nurse, both of which were foreign nationals and you know, it's it's workers like that that keep Dublin mm. and our country mm. operating. And, you know, there's we've come to a day and age now where by respect really and truly amongst different differing views and differing identities, it, it's going out the window and it's a scary prospect, you know. Mm. Did you actually come off the train at Connolly Station? So I decided to get off the train in Maynooth. Yeah, clever move. Uh, and actually by the time I got to Maynooth, uh, the Dublin bus had announced all their buses were cancelled so I had to get a taxi to where I was going in Dublin but you know at the end of the day that didn't really matter mm. uh, you know it, I was shocked I was absolutely shocked but like there's conversation about you know could we see this coming was mm. it a long time coming and I can say honestly I'm second year student now at Maynooth University living in Dublin for college and for a long time it has not felt safe, particularly on public transport mm. in certain parts of Dublin City. And to be honest, it's not just a Dublin problem. Um, like if you hang around the bus station or the train station in Sligo uh, from time to time, you, you'll see certain elements that are similar. Mm-hmm. So it is, I suppose, but the priority has to be standing with the members of Angarda Siakona. Mm. Uh, they go out on, on a daily basis and put their lives on the line to protect us. And... Um, you know, without them, where would we be? Yeah, well, very well said. Now, Funky, um, you obviously, you've been in Ireland since 2005. You probably have never seen anything like this in Ireland before. In fact, none of us have, really. Absolutely, Claire, you're right. I have never heard anything like this before. And I remember, you know, hearing about it on that Monday and I was shocked. And, uh, you know, the first thing that comes to mind was 
This is unusual in Ireland. I, I've never seen anything like that in my 18 years I've been in Ireland. So it was shocking for me, really. Would it frighten you uh, going to Dublin now, having seen the riots? I'm just asking a question. I'm not putting a thought in anyone's head here. Well, it wouldn't. I suppose everything is settled now. But, you know, that's still there in my mind that this could happen again. But, you know, yeah. And what about uh, you, Tommy? Now, you spend a lot of time for business in Dublin. Yeah, so I was in Dublin last week, but I was on the other end of town. I didn't didn't hear it, but I was conscious of it. It was shocking. Look, so I think it's a once-off. In France, they have riots every day of the week in different cities. Yeah. You know, and even when they interviewed some French tourists, they, they weren't that particularly perturbed about it. It blew up. Social media has weaponized and made it easier for this sort of thing. And there's always people looking for trouble out there. Mm. And look, we just have to support the police. Mm. And one thing, I think we do need more police because the population has grown from by half a million people from 2016 to today. Mm. And the police force is still the same. Mm. And with, you, sorry, with people resigning? Yeah. You know, with yeah, people leaving yeah, the police yeah, well, force? It's still, I think it's 14,000 today, mm. and, but the population has gone up a half mm. a million. So you do the math. And you need, you just need more, uh, more police. And the words there, I think it's a police force. There are times you have to have to use force, and there's you have to give them the the, the capabilities of doing doing their job and supporting them. And look at, they were a wonderful police force. I mean, it's a very peaceful country that we're living in. If you look to other countries, go to America. And, there's something comforting about them that you, you know they're there. Uh, they're, they're, it's it's a an, it's an easy country to live in, and I, I think it's you know some some things are exaggerated. There's no question that you know the what they call the extreme right. It's a very tiny, tiny, tiny minority, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, but the, you can't let it get up and running. Mm. So uh, and uh, I, I think it's going to it, it'll be fine. I would from what I can remember about four different um, riots. The last was the, the Lansdowne Road riot for the football game in 96. Yeah. Then there was one for the hunger strikers in 81. That's right. And I happened to witness the one when they when the set fire to the, the um, British Embassy in Dublin. I was happened to be passing by. That was in, what is it, 72 or yes. 1 or whatever it was. And that started out of nothing. Somebody mm. flung a bottle of, you know, but they were waiting for trouble. And you'd have troublemakers everywhere. Mm. I wouldn't get too um, bogged down on it. And I think it's in, it's isolated. They're going to get on top of it. But we have to support the police and the government. And I see Sinn Féin piling in on top of them. Mm. Not sure if that's a, something to hang over from the history between the, Garda, uh, the Drew Harris and Northern Ireland. I think there's some history going on there. I'm not going to get involved in politics. Mm. But we, we have to support them 100%, the police force. And your thoughts on Helen McEntee and the fact that the other parties are, not all of them now, sorry, um, are calling for her resignation. Ah, it's ridiculous stuff. It's children's stuff. Mm. Let us let her get on with the job. Mm. And if there's another election, somebody else is there. I mean, if there's an election next year, or even a snap election early next year, and according to the polls, Sinn Féin could be in power, mm. the first conversation they're going to have will be with Drew Harris. Mm. And that'll be interesting. Mm. Are they going to look for his resignation? It's, it's crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, as I said, I think there's a bit of history going on there from another jurisdiction and it shouldn't yeah. be taken, it shouldn't. shouldn't be coming across into our, our part of the world. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, um, and maybe I'm wrong, I'd be interested in what the listeners think, 0833 500 530 and yourself, Tommy. 
I thought that Helen McEntee looked shook to the core. You know, I mean, people said that she was all sorts of things. You know, there's been a lot of criticism of her. But I was looking at her face and like all of us, she has small children and she was genuinely shook. Well, uh, yeah, well, look, it it was, um, it, it was horrific. But it was over fairly quickly and the, the streets cleaned up after a few hours and the next day everything was normal and people were back out shopping. You know, you can't get carried away and there's a lot of people sort of um, um, promoting fear and you can't have it and it's not it's not that. Yeah. I, I, they do need more visibility on the street and I believe they will get that. And that, it'll work itself out. People shouldn't really get carried away too much about it. We have a peaceful country yes. and let's get on with it. Um, interesting text in here, Porik. Why is no one you have on asking why? This should be the first person an intelligent person would ask. The first question, excuse me. Why? You, ha- you, you have not mentioned that the grannies, women and children were peacefully protesting in Dublin for the past year. Um, it's an interesting question. You know, why do you think that this event actually happened? Okay, well, well, first of all, um, I think there's a few things that, that have to be said. Um, I think there is a degree of lawlessness now that seems to be acceptable in Dublin. Mm. Uh, any student similar to myself who travels from Dublin to Sligo will have to travel from Connolly Station. Mm. They get the bus, bus Aris. It's all around the same area. Mm. And anybody who works or travels within that region will know that area, you want to avoid it as much as is humanly possible because there is so many different things going on in that area and a Garda station around the corner from it, you know. So that type of thing has to be acknowledged. Um, I suppose we have, we've yet again, you know, under this current government, there has absolutely been a certain degree of investment in the Guards and in our justice portfolio. Um, so, you know, the idea that Sinn Féin are, are weaponising this on, on Minister McEntee, you know, it's it's playing politics. I thought on the first night, I didn't think, I didn't think they were going to play politics on it. Mm. Uh, but, but they have. Um, you know, like the government allocated 2 billion to the guards in 2023. And I understand that 10 million was towards Garda overtime. Uh, which has extended the hours. And I understand that is yet again placing a bigger demand on the current Garda workforce. You know, we need to be looking at how we can make the job of a guard attractive once again, how how the numbers can be increased. Because pre this government, we've come out of a decade of underinvestment in the justice portfolio uh, and 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 in Angarda Shiakana. And there are varying reasons for that, absolutely. But you know, at the end of the day, key key to a stable democracy and and a healthy state where we can all live side by side is having is having guards that are confident that like I, I can't I was just, I was, I'm startled at the image of the guard on O'Connell Bridge on his own, Mm. hesitating to pull his baton when he's being attacked by a group of people. That is not right. Well, uh, sorry, just partly 
you know, whatever about politics, part of the reason there is GSOC. So GSOC are policing the guards as such. You know, so they are, and it's making life for the guards very difficult. But we still do need to make sure that if there is one bad apple, that they are um, being controlled. It just seems that we've got ourselves into a terrible, uh, into a terrible mess here. Funky, in your opinion, would you consider that from looking at the the DVD or the videos? I mean, on social media, um, that the guards should be armed with more protection. I will say so. Very much say so. Lots of investment to go in. Yeah, to go in. Now, there was, um, during the week, there was an announcement um, at the Justice Oireachtas Committee that about uh, pepper spray and various, and shields, and and, um, they're obviously looking at that. Um, I'm going to move on to another subject, Tommy, that raised its head this week, big time. And uh, we had Con Lee, retired um, sergeant yesterday on the show, talking about this whole issue with free legal aid. So people who are serial offenders can go in and every time they're up in court, use free legal aid. Maybe they get some time in prison. Sometimes they can go for a day and the whole sentence is is uh, scratched. But should we be be paying for this constantly? Should it be enforced that there's some rules around free legal aid. What are your thoughts? Well, it's very complex. You, you cannot have a situation where people uh, are brought up for a case and they're not a proper rep- representation. You don't want the American system where people are banged into jail for 28 years for dropping something on the street. I mean, it, 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 it's difficult. But um, I, I think that for if they're serial offenders... I think they should have some way of paying back some of the money towards the free legal aid. Mm. But I don't, it's very complex. And uh, maybe it's too easy to get free legal aid. To, I'm, I'm, but I'm sure it's fair. Maybe it's fair enough. I don't, I really can't comment that too much on it because I don't know an awful lot about it. But um, people have to get represented uh, if they're if they're up before the, before the courts. Yeah, like it- some of the some of the suggestions that were you know bandied about this week um, were, for example, a murder case, a very serious murder case, uh, where obviously everyone is 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 innocent until pr- proven guilty, yeah. and someone is proven guilty and goes away for however many years. A lot of people feel that there should be some. Uh, money taken off that person whether they do it bi-weekly, whether they do it out of their social welfare, whatever whether the person pays, whatever happens um, you know, just to give something back because this, it's such a huge cost. Yeah, but uh, but the, the, the cost of defending a murder, murder case must be hundreds of thousands yeah. nobody would ever be able to pay it back yeah. but maybe some sort of a, a, a some sort of, of a, a payment back would be reasonable, I would say. Yeah. It's interesting. I remember um, a long time ago when I just started in this work, um, interviewing somebody about children's allowance and the person, the the politician answered me back and said, actually, to be fair, it would probably cost us more to police the children's allowance yeah. than it is to give it out to all of those people. Porik, what are your thoughts on free legal aid? I mean, where do you stand? So, as Tommy was saying, Absolutely. I think, and yet again, I'm very young coming into this, I think everyone is entitled to make a mistake. Uh, and of course, not everybody, would, if they do make a mistake, will be have the supports behind them, the financial mm-hmm. behind them, 
to support themselves going to court or going to whatever they may need to do. But I, I do think in this whole conversation there are a few there are a few things that must be noted, you know, and, and under the context of the current government, there has been an increase in sentencing. You know, the increase there has been an increase in sentence for assault causing harm from five years to ten years. Uh, the maximum sentence for conspiracy to murder from ten years to life and an increase in the maximum sentence for assaulting a Garda from seven years to twelve years. These are all, it's all progress, right? Mm. And it's all very positive to see this coming under this current government. However, I'm of the view we need to become an awful lot tougher on, on crime. People should not feel that you can walk up to a guard, someone who is there to protect us and throw a thump or verbally assault them or whatever, you know, because there has become a degree where certain people feel it is normal. And that is absolutely wrong. We, as, as a nation, uh, uh, the government needs to become much tougher on crime going forward, no matter what arrangement after whatever elections, hopefully there won't be an election for a long time. But, <laughs> but you know, it's something, it's something absolutely. And the legal aid system, uh, there's a 100%, there's merits in it, has to be kept, has to be retained. Yes. But it is in need of reform mm-hmm. because we have circumstances in certain, in certain areas where you have people who have maybe 100 or 200 convictions who are still getting free legal aid and going to do the same thing mm. yet again, that is wrong. I think that people feel very strongly about that and I actually think that could be something that you are going to find when the election is called, when you go to the doorsteps, that people are going to ask that question because Mags and I couldn't believe the amount of texts we got in. It's just one of those sort of topics that's simmering away yeah. underneath and part of the whole way I think there's a sort of anger and a burning anger in the country at the moment. People seem to be really just feel that they're not listened to. Have you noticed that Funky? Um, you know, with, with regards to say for example, the attacks, the people were angry because the riots happened and they they felt that we should have known that's how people were feeling. Right. Um, just before answering that, I just wanted to talk and say something about the, uh, the free legal aid. Coming from a direct provision perspective, uh, I would have been, you know, a beneficiary of that system. And I feel it should be kept, you know, because at the time I came in as an asylum seeker, I couldn't afford, um, you know, um, the legal service if I was to pay for it. So um, to, its, to a degree, I feel that should be kept for, you know, those who really can't afford it. That, so sorry, uh, Funky, can you just explain to the listeners why you would have been using the free legal aid? It wasn't that you had committed a crime or anything? Oh no, it wasn't that I had committed any crime. It was just because I was an asylum seeker and I needed a legal representative to, uh, to you know, take my case on and appeal, make appeal to the Department of Justice. So, and at that point I, I wasn't working because we, we're not allowed to work. So, of course the free free legal aid had to come in um, to represent me in that regard. Yes. Interesting um, in the course of all of this um, people are getting confused between asylum seekers and refugees and, you know, there's different names um, for all the people that uh, come into the country. Mm -hmm. So would you mind just telling us a bit of your story? You came came to Ireland in 2005. Mm -hmm. You didn't start out in Sligo. Just interesting, where did you start? 
Lord, it's a long, uh, it's a long uh, journey, but it all started from Kilmacord um, Direct Provision Center. That was the reception ground, and then I was moved on to Balsaskin in St Margaret Street and Finglas, and then I was transferred to Maggie Barracks and killed there, and then to Applewell Hotel in Newbridge, and then to Sligo in 2009, and then I had to move to Ballyhonies and then back to Sligo again because we found Sligo a lovely place and family friendly. Um, <laughs> town. Yes. Well, you, ca- you came back to Sligo. I think it's a lovely story, actually, and I'm going to get you to tell that. But you came back to Sligo with your papers and you were ready to set up your life. And you said to your husband, where will we go? T- tell the listeners, because it's lovely to hear. Absolutely. So we were in Ballyhonies at the time and uh, we got sorted out after 10 years being in direct provision. And I-, I did ask my husband, where do we go from here? And he said, well, we had been in Sligo before. Sligo is lovely, has all the things you might really want in life. So let's go back to Sligo. And that's why we came back to Sligo. Um, yeah, and it's been and- and you arrived here with one child and now have four, is it? Or two? I and- arrived here with a pregnancy. Oh, so right. I had, um, I had two other ones after the first pregnancy, of course. So, yeah. so you have three children now. and I, I do have four. Oh, you have four children. Sorry, yeah, that's right. You have four. Yeah. four um, and when I was speaking to you before, Funky, when I met you for the first time, I was very taken about the fact that you're so grateful to the Sligo people. For the Absolutely. welcome you've had yeah. and being able to open up your lovely restaurant. Absolutely. And just uh, in terms of, you know, um, receiving the warm welcome we got from, you know, Sligo and the people in Sligo was amazing. And, you know, coming down to the time we opened that restaurant, the, the, the support from Sligo has been it's been amazing. Some we've had people walk into the restaurant asking to see me just to congratulate me, and I, I feel that is a blessing to to see people. And this is to say to Sligo, thank you for uh, for for all the congratulatory. We had people send um, flowers, sending cards that I don't even know. And in this regard, they're not thinking color; they're just thinking someone who has done great after all the you know 10 years of been in the direct provision so they they're not looking at colors anymore i feel racism will it will exist when you're a nobody i think uh if you'd like me to say that okay but, you know i don't see anyone looking at my color no. okay since they but, uh, come that's... in and i come out and i'm talking to them and they're so happy some of them are dying to get a hug which i feel is a blessing and thank you sligo thank you ireland for all the support <laughs> I'm going to start with you, Tommy. The next subject that was coming up during the week. Are cyclists getting enough respect on the roads? Well, it's always a battle with the cyclists and the motorists. And, you know, some of our roads are not equipped for cyclists compared with European countries. I mean, I've I've been travelling quite a lot. If you go to Denmark or to um, Holland, I mean, it's mass cyclists. But the boulevards are bigger. I mean, Dublin is just crazy. The the roads and the streets are not equipped for for cycling. And then you see a lot of irresponsible cyclists as well that are not, they don't have the, 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 the proper lights or the viz jackets or whatever. It's crazy where people go out at nights. And uh, it's very, so I, 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 
it's almost going to be a battle between the cyclists I and think the so, yeah. So I'm not so sure if there's any solution for it in this country until you have better, better uh, wider uh, mm-hmm. facilities for them. Well, interestingly enough, we were speaking um, with somebody from the uh, ATU in Sligo and they were saying that they're going to put a new cycling route from Ross's Point right around to Strand Hill. And these are like a cycling lane that have poles yeah. along the side, but they're keeping the, the, the car lane will be very thin. If that happens. Yeah, yeah. Would you think that's going to be a good idea? Well, first of all, when it comes to this... This is Porrick. Yeah. Uh, first of all, when it comes to this, and, and, and cyclists, are they getting enough respect on the roads? We need to listen to the views of cyclists on this. There are some excellent cycling advocacy groups based here in Sligo and in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. And they are the experts when it comes to this. So they're the people we need to be talking to about this. But I think the first thing that came into my mind with regard to this topic is the success of the rollout of the Bolt bikes in Sligo. Oh yeah, it's been brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. And the only thing that I've been hearing from other young people is why can't I get them to Strand Hill? Why can't I get them to Ross's Point? You know, like currently you have to leave them at the Radisson or I'm not entirely sure where it is on the way out to Strand Hill. But you know, you cannot actually bring it the whole way out. Well, a good question to ask them from Bolt Bikes. We had them on when they started that initiative. Funky, do you cycle? No, I don't, but I've got um, kids that cycle a lot, so yeah. You worry about them on the roads, I'd say. I do worry about them, and I remember going to Ballybuffet, I was driving to Ballybuffet and I did see signs up, you know, by, you know, the residents in that area saying, you know, um, give us hat shoulders to drive on, that the the lives of the cyclists are in, you know, in danger. And I think that is something that the government should look at. I mean, wider roads means safe cycling on the road so I think it's something that the government should invest more in. Uh, yes and uh, so do a lot of people. And then then there's some angry drivers out there as well. You'll always get those. So Tommy Higgins is with us this morning and Tommy is the chairman of Sligo Rovers and the first text I got in about you this morning was why are the season tickets gone up in price? But I think there's a small increase in the price this year. Uh, which would mean a lot of other clubs are doing the same. I mean, the costs are horrendous trying to keep a club on the road at present, but they're not going up that much, I don't think, a small amount. Well, uh, well, this listener says, um, could you ask Tommy why the Sligo Rovers season ticket has gone from 60, has gone up by 60 euro to 290? Uh, I don't think that's right. Okay. Yeah. No, I tell what, what could be, there's, it could be a mix up there. There is, if you want to get your name on a seat, there's an extra charge of 60 euros. That's an optional. Oh, right. Thing. Okay. So it may be just that it, it's a mix a up confusion. possibly on that, but they're definitely not going up. They're definitely not going up 60 euros. Okay. I think they might have gone 10, might have gone on. I think it's maybe 275 last year, gone to 290, 10 or 15 euros. You yeah. have, I think, you must have the most loyal supporters in, well, in the world. They're, 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 they're brilliant. And, you know, we had a disappointing season last season. Yeah. But, like in business or in lifetime, you can't be looking back. We're now just looking. At the, at the future. Yeah. So uh, our club shop has opened up at the showgrounds uh, this week. Uh, we, Elvery's also sell our merchandise and gear. We have season tickets on sale now and you can pop into the showgrounds and get your season tickets. There's plenty of parking there. Um, so uh, we're looking forward to the new season. Never, ever look back on anything, in, either in life or in business or anything. Just have mm. to keep looking forward. So we're now all looking forward and the supporters are absolutely They're wonderful. They're incredible. They're incredible. But, you know, uh, 
we, we, we know we were out selling tickets for our, our raffle there during the summer and it's amazing for all ages and people have an affiliation when my grandson goes to the to the, the summer camps or they go to the birthday parties etc but it's a community club but it's very very difficult to keep the show on the road very expensive yeah is it it's, very, it's horrendous yeah but an awful lot of hard work and without you know the support we feed off one another we feed off the supporters who are wonderful and support us and I hope they continue to support us which I believe they will oh I think so, so. Go, I out asked get, go out and get your season tickets yeah, yeah. and, and, <laughs> and buy, the the merch- is- buy the merchandise up at the showgrounds <laughs> or at the Elbury the so I'm week. getting a plug in <laughs> yeah, it's funny I, I just Tommy just uh, as a by the way I, I asked a good few people that I really respect including our own John Lynch and Austin O'Callaghan um, you know what, what is happening with Sligo Rovers because I knew you hadn't had a brilliantly successful last uh, last term. And everybody said to me, oh, we're not worrying about that. There's next year and it's going to be amazing. That's the way it is. Yeah. So that's the attitude of your supporters and you must yeah, see yeah, that yeah. every week. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to do that. There's no point in, lo- I keep saying this, there's no point in looking back. It's defeatist. Look, Look forward. forward. Absolutely. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, Porik, you 19 years of age and um, Porik is very involved in Fianna Fall and the Connacht Regional Organiser of Ogre Fianna Fall. So will we be seeing you as a, a Taoiseach in about 10 or 15 years? Absolutely not. Oh. Uh, no, first of all, before I answer your question, I want to say I couldn't come on here without saying that I am and have always been a proud season ticket holder. Uh, of Sligo Rovers and one thing that I had noted coming on here today and I I think it's very important that we look at this we're very fortunate here in Sligo we have the best people and we're made up of a vibrant community with people from all backgrounds and that's exemplified in your story Funky and I don't think that can go without saying Mm. Um, with regard to young people in politics look I'm here representing Ogrefina Fall and we had our National Youth Conference last weekend where I was fortunate enough to be elected Connacht Regional Organiser uh, on our national executive. And I suppose, look, OGRA is the largest uh, youth political movement in Ireland. Um, we, we have people I- I varying in age from the age of 16 right up to the age of 30. And we have that mix between the bit of fun, the bit of crack and the more serious political side of things. We always say, join the party that makes the difference. You know, people always ask, they'll, they'll always say to me, why did you join Fianna Fáil? Um, I don't come from a political family in that sense. Uh, however, growing up, I was always encouraged to make my own mind up on things. Uh, at a young age, I had an interest in current affairs. Republican values, values of investing in people and having efficient public services are of pivotal importance and are very important to myself. Like, I joined, and I'm very proud to be a member of Fianna Fáil, the Republican Party, in my view, the party that has always been known for delivering for people, the party of the European Union, the party of education, and in my view, the only party that stands for and delivers for young people. As a young person in college at the minute, there's, you know, like €1,750 of a tax credit in rent, all these kind of things all very good things but we need to get more young people involved in Well this is a problem and it's not just for your party I'm delighted actually to see a young person as involved as yourself um, and there's some future Okay Funky do you have a bucket list? I do have a bucket list yes one of which is to um, get back to school and have my masters in food science. I love studying. Being a dropout from Nigeria, I dropped out of secondary school, I dropped out of you know, university and then I came over here and I was able to finish my first degree so I really want to be able to get my <laughs> Your bucket my, list. Yeah. 
That is it. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I have to say that is. I am. I. I think that's really, really excellent. I would rather boil my own head <laughs> than go back and study <laughs> at this stage. But Tommy, have you a bucket list? What's on it? It's. Uh, it's kind of a wish list. But I want. I've bought a bar of fries cream the other day. They reduced the size. I want to get all the sizes back up. The biscuit. <laughs> Fries, chocolate oh, cream. Oh. Uh, uh, and when you get a, a box of Quality Street, it's half half the sweets. And the sweets and the sweets are smaller. The biscuits are smaller. A campaign, a, a global campaign to get the the sizes back up again, so we can scoff properly. That's my wish list. <laughs> and it's funny, you know. I actually thought when I was putting this the notes together that you were going to say I'd like to go to you know the Caribbean, but. The sweets, uh, the chocolate. I've been, I've been everywhere. I don't want to go anywhere. But yeah. no, well, that's my bugbear. It's horrible. You pick them up and they're half the size that they used to be. And mm. funny, um, I don't know if any of you saw this, uh, a couple of Christmases ago, they did the d- different sizes of roses. That's right, yeah. Yeah. Big, huge tin and yeah. it's now... 1980, the size of the... Yeah, oh, twi- yeah. completely. And this is supposed to be for our health. Charge more. I did keep it, the place. Yeah, sizes charge up. more. Keep them smaller. But this is supposed to be for health. But actually a bag of crisps. Have, have you noticed? Is that they're tiny as well, yeah. Porik? We haven't yes. talked about your bucket list. My bucket list. Look, I don't, before coming in here this morning, I hadn't a bucket list. But the one thing, <laughs> I, the one thing I want to say is what I'd love to see. The most important thing to me is to see Sligo Rovers winning the league in the next season. That, 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 that is what we need more for Sligo. Ticket, more season tickets to be purchased. Thank Absolutely. You Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Thanks, go on, the bit, go on the bit of red. OK, well, look, we're just coming towards the end of the show this morning. A number of people um, actually agreeing with regards to legal aid um, and saying that it should be taken out of people's dole. And a number of comments, as always, for and against the cyclists.